podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Hello, thanks for joining us on Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast where we're also going through a period of transition. I'm your host, Richard Kutcher. Chris was with us at the Valley yesterday, but is unavailable today. He insists that's just a coincidence. So we're rotating our squad to unpick that complete mess against Charlton, which condemned Philip Koku's side to a third 3-0 defeat in all competitions before the end of October. Joining the fun for Podcast 65 is fellow glutton for punishment, Anton Martin. Hello. And he was out in the town last night and must have been on the hard stuff after watching that performance. It's Ryan Burton. Hello. Cheers, Ryan. Before we kick off, Steve Bloomer's washing is partnered for the season with our good friends at Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer. So we've got some amusing five-word reviews coming up later and another guest V11 to try and cheer you all up. But it was another painful London away day which ended the Rams' five-match unbeaten run in spectacular style. A 3-0 defeat at newly promoted Charlton which had all the hallmarks of a Derby County capitulation. Conceding early, conceding from a set-piece, plenty of possession but a measly two shots on target and one of those was in the 86th minute. And a complete lack of the cohesion and grit which we'd shown against Birmingham, Barnsley and Luton. So Anton, uh, what went wrong? Yeah, I mean, another away day in London, another 3-0 defeat. It was just a completely abject display, really. Um, complete lack of energy, complete lack of desire from the players. Kind of comparing that to the Brentford game um, last month, it was certainly no better than that. And there's a good argument to say that it was actually worse than that performance last month. So what, what was your take on it, Ryan? What, what, was anything particular that stood out for you as, as, as what went wrong from what you saw and heard? Um, well, I, I summed it up in three words. It was spineless, tactless and clueless. It, it very much reminded me of the uh, Nigel Clough days um, where we're going to away, away games and we're just... We're just sitting down and taking it essentially, and there was just there was, as you say, it was more there was no desire there, but it reminded me as of as if as a team there was no as a team there was no cohesion, and it was just from top to bottom it was just abject. Uh, the way, uh, as I say, it just completely reminded me. They took me back to Nigel Clough days, and it was just it was sad to see because after the performances we put in against Birmingham, Barnsley, Luton, it was as if we've turned a corner. And then on the last last podcast, I was saying that. You know, uh, there's no crisis here, and I'm not going to sit here and say we're now in the midst of a crisis. But it was a case of uh, two steps forward, three steps back. I think I think you're right to kind of compare it to a couple of or regular performances under Nigel Clough uh, during those days. For me, what we were, it was almost like we were reliant on someone doing something special. There was there was no cohesion, as you as you both said. Uh, there was no seem to be tactic of how we're going to work the ball forward. I thought Charlton did do quite a good job on us. It was quite clear that they were trying to push us down the left wing. They were happy to give Malone lots of space and they were really cutting out Bogle's space. I thought it was one of the worst games I've seen Bogle play in probably 12 months, I'd say. And uh, I think I think the Nigel Clough comparison is, is fair. I just think that we had absolutely nothing going forward. 
Yeah, I think it was a shame as well because after obviously recent events and, and the kind of trial decision on, on Tuesday, it was a really good opportunity for the players to kind of put that behind them, get the fans back on side by putting together a really high effort, high energy performance, get the fans singing and talking about the football again. But they just didn't take the opportunity. There, there was no energy and they just didn't seem that up for it, which was a bit strange after recent events, whether that was kind of uh, had a negative impact on, on performance. It's obviously been a stressful week for, for some individuals in particular, but also it's obviously affected training and, and affected preparation. So that might have been a negative factor, but what a chance to get out on the pitch and let the football do the talking and they just didn't do that at all. I thought it was uh, it's interesting what you say about uh, kind of the trial in the week, and we're not really gonna we're not really gonna talk about that in much detail tomorrow. So I think we're quite happy to put it behind us as well. But Koku did mention it that during when everything was going on and and uh, during the, the kind of the centre of, of of that piece and 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 the alcohol related incident involving Keo and Lawrence and Bennett, he said he kind of suggested in his Rams TV interview that kind of pulled the club together and there was a desire to kind of take it out on the pitch and put it all out on the pitch. Um, but whereas this week maybe kind of the opposite happened where it has been completed it has been wrapped up it has kind of come to a conclusion and then he seemed to say that that energy was maybe lacking a result which is a really strange interpretation but kind of makes sense to me a little bit I don't know how you feel about that Ryan I, I think we've we've drawn a line under it now and I, I just don't think that we can use that as an excuse here um, I think tactically it was wrong yesterday I, I think it was interesting uh, with Bowie's comments um, I read that he said uh, we only we only came up with the back three um, on Thursday um, and they the way that we the way that they were playing yesterday it was as if that was like there was that they've been playing that formation for years but I think that we we made it look like that we gave them the opportunity to kind of play the way they wanted and we just didn't ask any questions at all so in all honesty I just don't think the trial in the week and that whole event it just had it had nothing to do with it yesterday it was just a poor performance from top to bottom there's no excuses for it yeah I, I agree we were just far too easy to play against I, I do agree with your point Richard earlier about um, Charlton performing very well off the ball against us and they, they did do a job on us they obviously identified Bogle as one of the key um, creative players in our team and they, and they always had a couple of men over on that right hand side and forced us down the left wing Malone had a lot of space down that left wing um, but as we know he's, he's not quite the player that Jaden Bogle is also in our defence they kind of forced us to give it to Curtis Davis um, out from the goalkeeper Any anyone else getting, receiving the ball from Roos um, was pressed but Davis was allowed to, to come out so he was the one that had to kind of initiate the forward pass and initiate attacks which we all know that's, that's not his game um, which kind of led to us giving the ball away a lot or passing sideways or, and, and just not having any cutting edge at all and uh, Anton, you, you and I were both at uh, Derby Brentford and both at Derby Charlton this season. Two uh, two London three nil reverses. Uh, you touched on it before, but which was worse for you? I think actually yesterday was was probably more frustrating, mainly due to the fact that the opposition was just not as, as good. Charlton obviously came up from from League One last year. I, I thought they played okay yesterday, but they weren't that great, and they they made us look very average um, without really. Um, looking that great themselves. So I, I think personally, it was probably slightly worse than Brentford. I would have to say that it was worse than Brentford just purely because that's they were playing League One football uh, last year. Um, last week, we played a League One team um, in Luton and we made them look like a League One team. And then we go away to Charlton and then we look like we've just been promoted from League One. I think 
I'm not of the belief that we should. We haven't got a God-given right to win every single game. I'm not of that belief. But at the same time, we have to be going to clubs like Charlton and putting on a display. Um, just looking at the stats, possession-wise, we had 62% and we played over 200 more passes than Charlton. But it, yesterday's game was just a living embodiment that possession means absolutely nothing in modern-day football. And we just, we didn't dominate the ball. It didn't look like, okay, they're a good passing team. We were just passing for the sake of passing around the back line. And we just couldn't break the lines. And it was just, it was just pitiful. It's the only word I've got for it, I think, really. It was just a pitiful performance. So Brentford, I can, get, I can handle getting beat by Brentford. They're a good team. Uh, but getting free, being three nil by Charlton, it's just, it's sad. It was sad to see. Yeah, I agree. I think it probably was. I think Brentford was a really, really terrible first forty-five minutes. But at least they kind of put in something second half, which, which you know, wasn't great. Didn't create a load of stuff. But we did kind of hold them at bay a little bit, a little bit better. Whereas this was kind of an all-round ninety-minute terrible performance. But let's look at, let's look at that first goal. Six minutes in, then. A yard off the pace from start to finish, to be honest. Bogle, uh, I mean, it was a really, it was a direct ball down the channel between Bogle and Davis. Uh, Davis kind of not maybe coming across uh, or cutting out the cross quick enough. Clark letting in the goal scorer, McCauley Bond, to get goal side of him. And uh, I don't think Roos could have done much about it, to be honest. Uh, Anton, what was, what was your view? Was there anyone in particular you'd, you'd lay the blame at? Yeah, I mean, as you say, we just got caught on our heels, really. It was, it was far too simple, the ball over the top. Um, Bogle w- was too slow to react to that ball. Davis com- comes across and, and does as much as he can, I, I think. Um, for me, the, the main person to blame is Clark in the middle because he, he kind of lets his man get goal side far too easily doesn't do enough to get back and, and get tight to um, Macaulay Bond in the middle and and he smashes it home it's a good finish to be fair don't think Ruse can do um, anything about that Ryan what, how, how, how did you view it I mean for me I think you think you're right about Clark I mean for me it's just criminal to get undone by a ball over the top though it was just too easy they were in second gear and it was just a simple ball over the top and as you say I think for me it was Bogle's reaction um, he was too slow to react to it and that just left us on our back heels um, Davy, Davis did everything he could and then Clark yeah he, he let him it was just easy it was just all too easy so for me it was a catalogue of errors um, but I think it would be unfair to kind of single anybody out um, with that it was just it was just a catalogue of errors really so Philip Cocco said after the game we couldn't get into the game we couldn't play our own game and it confirms to me, again, if you're not at the same level of desire and energy like your opponent, then it is very difficult to get a result. I don't want to compare it exactly with Brentford, but for me it was a surprise because I told the players before they went onto the pitch that if we can play like we train this week, I think the chance of winning the game is really big, but we couldn't. Everybody got back from international break games, trained, uh, training went well, good dynamics, good performance, good energy. So no indication of expecting a flat game. It sounded like they trained like the opposite of what they uh, played like to be honest, on Saturday. Uh, with those quotes in mind, with those quotes in mind, Coco's saying we'd look good all week. Who do you, who do you blame for that performance? Is it is it Coco and his staff, or Anton? Is it the players? For me, it's the players that are to blame. Um, I mean, the the two key words that from Coco's quotes there are energy and desire, which there were, there were a complete lack of yesterday. For me, the it was crying out for someone like Dwayne Holmes in the middle um, to kind of be brave and run at the Charlton defence, which none of the players on the pitch did enough of. Um, there was too much sideways passing and taking the easy option rather than being brave and running at the 
the defence and um, it was just far too easy to defend against. So I, I don't think Koku's particularly to blame for that. Um, I think it's, it's more down to the players for me. Right, Ryan, what did you make of the selection? I mean, I was surprised that Holmes, Holmes didn't start. Apart from that, I don't think there's that many other close selection calls, possibly Max Lowe for Malone, but I don't think that would have changed anything. What, what, was, your, what was your take on kind of Derby's approach to the game and the lineup? To be honest, I think the selection was right. Like The players who were in there had earned it. Patterson, he's been making a big impact in recent weeks, so I think he was justified to put him in, but I'm going to echo what Anton's saying. It was just crying out for Dwayne Holmes. Um just when we were passing the ball around, trying to trying to get in, as soon as we got into the chart and off, we weren't we weren't breaking the lines at all, and it was just crying out for someone like Holmes who gets on the ball, makes something happen, more direct, can bring the defense out, and that's where uh, that's where we, we he can play through balls and uh, we can start looking dangerous. So for me, I don't think the select it didn't raise eyebrows for me. I looked at it and I thought I thought to myself, yeah, that's probably the strongest team that we can put out, uh, barring Patterson. But Patterson had earned the right to start, but. Like a lot of the players yesterday, he, he didn't look like he was on the pitch. Uh, the, the front five didn't look like look like they were there. Were there. Uh, I was I was quite happy that Waghorn started. I thought okay, like I would have him over Joseph soon, but he he didn't look like he was there either. So uh, I, I don't think the selection was that bad. But really, I'm just going to be echoing everyone else's thoughts. Just saying, I think it is more down to the players. Like no one no one staked a claim, and they just didn't look bothered. It's a cliche to say that that players just. You know, there's no desire there. You f- I feel like when people say that, it's it's going against looking at it tactically. But it was. I think Koku put as much into that the preparation into the game as much as he could have. And um, I think once the players get out there, there's very little you can do as a manager. Um, so yeah, it's all down to the players yesterday. I think I don't want to be accused of being an after-timer because actually when Dwayne Holmes came on, I actually don't think he played particularly well either. I, don't, I think he gave the ball away a lot when he first came on. He was obviously wanting to do things. He was wanting to make things happen, but it was one of his more sloppy outings in my opinion. But I think away from home, you're right about Pattinson. and He never got into the game. He never kind of dropped back to help the midfield out. I think Holmes is better than that. I think, again hindsight's a wonderful thing maybe Holmes in away matches would be better in that more advanced position because he can make things happen and collect the ball and break the lines and use his energy to get around the pitch and Patterson maybe doesn't really offer that so much um anyway regarding the second goal well it's a set piece isn't it sloppy and shambolic even by our own standards how can a deep corner be allowed to loop all the way to the back post for Naby Sar to head in unmarked from six yards Anton yeah, it was, there were two of them at the at the far post who um, seemed to be free. Uh, I, th- I think it was Curtis Davis who was supposed to be marking Naby Sarr um, and just seemed to lose his man. And it was a fairly simple header at the back post from Sarr. Um, Ruse got caught a little bit in no man's land. I think he got blocked off by their player, so I'd, I'd, I don't want to blame him too much. Um, but again, terrible marking and just far too simple um, for Naby Sarr at the far post. Yeah, I think from from it was at the opposite end from where we were. So, but you could kind of see it happening, couldn't you? From kind of a hundred yards away, the ball came in, and you just saw that massive gap at, at the back post, and and a red shirt rising to meet it. I mean, Ruse does get caught in no man's land, and yeah, he was blocked off. But it's you know, the old thing for goalkeepers: if you come, you've got to come. If you come, you've got to claim it. You've got to make it. And uh, it's poor organisation. Um, Koku said afterwards, it is obvious why it keeps happening because we are not focused enough on anticipation on the situation it can be a block or a short corner I think Philip Koku there I mean he's correct and he's helpless in the sense that he can't control whether the players are 
focused or uh, anticipating enough on the uh, on the corner on a set piece all he can do is drill into them a system of marking on the training ground you'd expect but if this situation keeps happening and it has been happening now for 18 months probably you know since the Frank Lamp all Frank Lampard season we were poor from set pieces we've been poor again and we've gone over it over and over again on the podcast but I just don't know what else what else can Koku do uh Ryan on the training field is there, is there anything else that he can do I mean he's got uh, players like Davis and Clark who said before he should have two decent set piece generals there there's only so much you can legislate for um, I do believe that he is doing everything he can on the training ground but we, I mentioned it last week it's getting to the stage now where it is completely farcical um, Gary Rowett when he was the manager one of our it was a very rare time as a Derby fan, but when set pieces used to cut, when there was a set piece, I would think to myself, oh, we're going to defend this. And a big part of that was Curtis Davis. So when Davis did come back into the team, I did think to myself that, okay, we're going to get a bit better from set pieces. But maybe this is just proving that the davis Keo partnership was probably a good thing when defending set pieces, that they kind of need each other. But um, I'm not going to say I'm an advocate of uh, Kelly Roos, but at the same time, that's one of his that's one of his weak points. He's a good shot stopper, but when it comes to commanding the area, and um, he he just doesn't instill you with confidence at all. So really, I I do think that at the moment that there's only so much that <laughs> that Koku can do. Um, but we we really need we really need to just improve in that sense because it's not it as I say it's just becoming farcical now. Uh, there's only so much I can say. Well, well, one thing uh, I think we can say is Calarouz probably wasn't at fault for Conor Gallagher's uh, goal, the third goal that definitely killed the game off for good. Um, I think maybe you know, we gave the ball a little bit away too easily um, outside our own penalty box, but once he gets that space, he, he launches a fantastic strike and, and fair play to him. I don't think much analysis there is needed, but we did ask you for your five-word reviews. We asked you to sum up that dreadful display in five words, and we had our biggest response ever on the SBW Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. I have to say that I avoided looking at them until this morning because I knew it would be uh, probably depressing, but also, as we always from you guys thoroughly entertaining as well sorry we can't read them all out but we did get more than 120 so uh anton what do what do we have in yeah definitely some good responses um on the socials from yesterday uh amanda nadine said shocking game great day out and martin dempster said no surprise and going nowhere adam stevenson said what's worked on in training and at the wandering ram uh, is an optimist he said in philip Koku, we trust Paul Williams had five adjectives, turgid, boring, slow, ineffective, sideways. Jim said, work in progress, but depressing. Phil Henson's looking ahead, Rooney can't come soon enough. And Ray, only our third loss, relax, as uh, Frankie Hollywood, uh, Frankie Goes Hollywood once said as well. Uh, on Facebook? Yep, Mark Oliver said, woefully underprepared, lacking attacking options. Very long three wo- uh, very long five words there, very impressive. Uh, Dan Letchford, testing my dedication to stop to Stoptober. Oh, Stoptober, yeah, good luck with Stoptober, Dan. Yeah, all the best. <laughs> um, Martin McDermott says, it's going to take time. And Kevin Barber, inept, zero commitment and disjointed. And over on our Instagram page. Blake DCFC, I prefer not to speak. And Joe Cowler sums it up with, I don't like football anymore. 
yeah, I can uh, I can definitely empathise with that. It's all about rugby for me this weekend and next weekend. Now, now, don't forget to subscribe to SPW on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud, and all good and all bad podcast platforms as well. Hi, I'm Paolo Wenchop, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Chilton's clearance into the forest half, nicely headed by Harford down to Micklewhite. Micklewhite thumps it over, early ball up goes Saunders. Goal! 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 2-1, Derby County. What a header. Forest are behind. Dig that one out of the net, Mark Crossley. Not a chance in the back. 2-1. So, considering more defensive woes for Derby County, and uh, as we said earlier, a bit of kind of a culmination to uh, the more unsavoury incident for us this season, the big question, Ryan, is do we miss Richard Keogh? Um Simply yes, especially with Davis. Um, they they, they complement each other quite well. Um, last season, he was one of our most consistent players, and he has been for a number of years. Uh, you, you don't play as many games uh, for Derby as Richard Keogh and uh, not be not be a big part of the team. So, simply, yes, we do miss him. Yeah, I can only echo Ryan, really. Um, without a doubt, we do miss him. Um, he has been one of the um, consistent performers in the Derby team over the last few years. Um, every manager has included him in, in the team and he, he's played almost every minute over the last few seasons. So, of course, you're going to miss a player like that. What I would say is that in Davis and Clark, we should have suitable replacements. So we can't pin all the blame on not having Keogh. We should be able to step up and still put in some solid defensive performances. But yeah, we, we certainly miss Keogh. I think where we also miss Keogh is... I know that he has a mistake in him when he's trying to bring the ball out from the back or, or play passes uh, around the back and, and forward passes, but he is he is good in the ball. He is a good player in the ball and he can beat players. And that, that's what kind of Curtis Davis was having to try and do yesterday because, he, as we said, but he wasn't really being marked. He wasn't being pressed. They were inviting him forward, but he hasn't got that same quality on the ball and, and reading of the play going forward that, that Keogh has. So I think we miss Keogh. To an extent, defensively, I think he has his problems defensively sometimes, but I think generally he's solid. Um, he is good on the ball. He does help us play out from the back. And I think what Koku really wanted from Clark, because I think he sees Clark as a similar type player as, as Keogh, just, just left-footed. You know, I think if you've got Clark and Keogh with Clark on form, which we haven't seen much of yet, and I think he's been one of my biggest disappointments, actually, since, since Huddersfield away, um, was you had two players that could play under pressure and could, and could play and, and pick out balls. And... We're really struggling. We're really missing that from from defence. And with with Davis, it not being his natural game, that's not his fault. That's just who he is. Um, and Clark off the boil. We're really missing that that quality to play the the kind of patient football from the back that that Philip Cocky wants us to. Yeah, I think it's a really good point about Keogh being very good on the ball and and very progressive um, with the ball. We we saw Davis try a, a couple of Keogh esque runs up the field um, yesterday because he had to because no no one else was doing it. It's not where his strengths lie, and, and he did give it away a couple of times. Can't really blame him too much for that. What we need is for Clark to step up and to um, take. Um, the leadership on, on that a little bit more demand the ball off Davis and be a bit braver it's clear that um, that Clark is he's suffering with a lack of confidence in my opinion um, I know we have we've only seen one good game from him at Huddersfield but it's, it's clear that there's a player in there and he can pass the ball and he does like to make progressive runs we might have only seen it in one game but there's something there so I do think that 
when he he did get taken out of the side and since he's come back, he just hasn't staked his claim. But it doesn't help that there's lack of options and there's no, there's no real competition for him. So really, we've got a player here who just is lacking in confidence. And when you've got Curtis Davis kind of looking, he's the one who's deciding, OK, I need to start playing. I need to do something about this. That shows that you know we're in we're in a bit of a crisis in that sense because that is not Curtis Davis's game. Fair play to him for kind of uh, grabbing the ball by the horns and saying, "Okay, we need to do something now." But it shouldn't be in that situation. We need we need Clark to kind of just you know actually decide that okay, I am a player, I can play. This is my style of football. Let's go from here. But I just think he's lacking in confidence. I think it's interesting, we touched on it at the beginning regarding how Charlton pressed us and it seemed to me that they were happy to let Davis have it but they marked Bogle really tight so the kind of player that would often be um, pressing the centre-back was actually pressing the right-back to close down his space and to not let him get the ball with space in front of him to get to get moving and the opposite happened on the, on the other side they were kind of pressing Matt Clark, stopping him from getting the ball with, with time and space to kind of pick his options out and let him alone have the space so they're happy to let it swing all the way to the left but they weren't happy to let it spring, uh, swing all the way to the right and it's the the problem is that when teams have such an effective tactic and Derby don't fix it during the match or don't work it out, is that you know what's going to happen the week after. And the week after, if anyone looks at that, they'll see if, if, if it's that back four, that's how you're meant to press against them. And I don't, I don't think Max Lowe particularly fixes that. I think Max Lowe has got decent delivery, uh, but we haven't seen him much on the left-hand side yet. So we haven't seen much of his left-footed uh, delivery uh, this season. I mean, we've chopped and changed in the back four uh, and nothing seems to have worked this season two clean sheets in 12 is it time to give this at least this partnership or this back four uh, a solid run I think you have to especially with the the two centre-backs you've you've got to get them playing together regularly understanding each other's game uh, and put together a solid partnership clearly Bogle is his first choice right back so as long as he's fit he'll he'll always be starting it's only left back really that you've, you've got a decision to make for me I, I I'd like to see Max Lowe get a, a little bit of a run in in the side um having said that i, I don't think Malone is a bad player and he's certainly not a bad option to have. Bearing all that in mind, uh, looking ahead to January because it is going to come up quickly on us, would the defensive area, centre-back or full-backs be, uh, be an area for priority, do you think, in January if we are going to be signing anyone? We need a new centre-half. I don't think that Clark and Davis uh, complement each other well. It isn't I'm I'm never going to blame a player for not having pace. Like that's that's not part of their makeup, that's not their game. But I do think we need some we I'm very old school in the sense that I think I do like my two centre halves, one to be the uh the commanding towering uh centre half for the corners and then I think you do need like a Tamori kind of figure, like the pace like their pace will bail them out of certain situations. So I think we need a pacey um, centre-half, someone to complement either Clark or Davis because we're absolutely fine in the air. For crosses in the box, barring set-pieces, we're absolutely fine. Uh, they're towering, they can they can clear the balls, but we need some. We, we need to inject a bit of pace into that uh, centre-half pairing, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd agree on the pace. I think that's the one thing. I think I, as I wasn't always as complimentary of Tamori as, as many others last season, but the one thing he definitely had was a huge get-out-of-jail-free card, which we could cash in, whether it's from his own mistakes or his, his teammates' mistakes, several times during matches, actually, and Tamori got us out. It also allows you to play a higher line, the, the press higher up, but Clark was looking slow when he was alongside Keogh, and as you said, it's not, it's not Curtis Davis's strong point, his pace, so you've got two 
you've got two centre-backs at opposite ends of their career, but both with both seriously lacking the pace. It's interesting because, for me, the two most disappointing summer signings, whether it be loan or permanent, have probably been Bielik and Matt Clark, and they're both two players who have had to step up from League One. Do you think it's anything to do with struggling to step up that level at the start of the season, Anton, or do you think it's just because they're struggling for form and, and the team is struggling for form? It obviously is a step up, so that so that is a factor. I, I think it's more to do with, with the form of, of both the players and the team. Um, we've seen flashes of good players in both Matt Clark and Christian Bielik, and, and we'd like to think that that will come out once the team's performances start improving and, and once both of those players pick up a little bit of confidence. I've got no doubt that both, um, but in particular Bilic, will um, become really important players for us this season. Um, but it, it might take a little bit of time. So uh, lastly, looking ahead to the rest of the season, if we take the, the starting eleven and the bench yesterday, Ryan, how many of those players do you expect to be seeing play week in, week out for the rest of this season? Well, if we put in more performances like that, um, not not many. But um, to be honest, we're, we're not blessed with a big squad at the moment. Um, so I think the vast majority of them will be our that will be our players for the rest of the season. Um, thing is, it's it's not Koku's team, and I know that a manager doesn't come into a, a team and just buy eleven players. It's not as simple as that. But I think it would be. I think it'd be very harsh on Koku to judge like what he's inherited essentially. Um, so what I will say is I do expect a lot more players from the academy to be introduced as the season goes on. When it becomes clear that this is going to be a mid-table season and when we've got enough, I'm not going to say we're going to be relegation candidates, but when we've got enough points to say, okay, we're going to be in mid-table this year, we're going to see a lot more uh, of the, the young players introduced like your Louis Sibley's, um, Morgan Whitaker's they will be introduced because that is a big part of a Koku's makeup. Essentially, he wants to bring the players through. He did a similar thing at PSV in his per- in his first season. So, yes, we're going to see the vast majority of these players um, in the squad for the rest of the year. But I'm, I'm fully expecting to see at least two or three youngsters starting regularly by the end of the season. Yeah, I'd agree with that, and I think. Uh, but when the, when does a mid-table season threaten to become a relegation candidate season? Because there's nothing to suggest in the in the first few months of this year, apart from a couple of individual good moments, that we're going to be seriously challenging for the top six uh, mid-table. I think I'd probably take mid-table right now. I'm feeling pretty down about yesterday. I'd probably take that. But similarly, if you get into a mid-table season, you can quite easily drop into a relegation scrap. And is that the kind of time you want to be throwing in 18-year-olds? Absolutely not. But yeah, you, you make a good point about the team not being kind of one of the best teams in the league. The the team that Koku's inherited isn't as good as what he wants and, and probably isn't quite the right fit for the style of play that he wants to um, adopt. I, I think there are, there's definitely an argument for bringing some of the youngsters in, but I definitely agree with you, Kutch. If, if you're kind of getting into a relegation battle, you want a lot of experience in there to just try and grind out results. I mean, I would certainly argue, going back to what Ryan said about it not being Philip Koku's team, I'd certainly argue that this is the worst Derby County squad since the early Nigel Clough days. I can't think of a worse squad that uh, we started a season with and a, and, a, and, a, and a squad lacking in particularly creative talent than... than going back to kind of almost post-Paul Jewell early, early Nigel Clough days. I, I'd agree. Um, last year, we had three excellent players who kind of 
made us look better than we are. And now we're we're seeing that. Obviously, when Mount and Wilson left, we knew there was a lot of goals, but they brought a lot of quality. They had an X factor about them. They were top quality players. There's no coincidence that Mason Mount's in the England squad. Um, obviously, Harry Wilson's a Wales international, can produce something out of nothing. We don't have. There's. I don't look at that team and I think to myself, yeah, we've got game winners there. Probably Tom Lawrence is probably the best player, uh, which is saying quite a lot. Um, so I, I, I definitely um, echo those thoughts. I think it is a bang average team. And just to put it into perspective, we replaced Mason Mount with Jamie Patterson and Jamie Patterson couldn't get in the Bristol City team. So when we're loaning players from what we thought, what we perceived to be uh, pr promotion rivals, actually we're loaning players um, who were challenging for promotion and we're it's what it's what it is and um, it kind of sums up that we're um, that we're a mid-table team so talking about bang average teams we're going to guess the 11 next i'm not going to prejudge if it's a bang average team what would you say anton what, what game are we going for and is this a bang average derby county team yeah so after yesterday's horrendous display in the capital i was trying to think of slightly more enjoyable away trips over the years to um to london and one which sprung to mind was a game back in 2005 which was an fa cup game against fulham um now fulham were in the premier league at the time we were in the second tier we actually drew the first game at home um which was a, a very good performance when we took it to the replay so we went to the craven cottage um we drew the game to all after 90 minutes and took the game to extra time we did actually go on to lose the game after extra time but it was a it was definitely an enjoyable away trip much more enjoyable than yesterday and it was a, a very um solid performance against the team in a um, in the division above us. So, so. Two, 2005, so you're really testing my, as everyone knows, awful Derby County memory here. So we're going to go guess the 11 and uh, I think we'll do the yellow card as usual. So you'll have one wrong guess and we're including subs that came off the bench as well. I yeah, we'll, we'll include subs who came off the bench. Um, yeah, and we'll use the yellow card rule as well. So uh, Ryan, do you want to kick us off? Definitely test my knowledge here. Right, 2005. So... Let's go Lee Camp. Lee Camp was the Derby goalkeeper. Very good. Good start. I'm going to say the Duke, Nathan Ellington. Nathan Ellington was not involved. So that's a, an early yellow card for Kutch. <laughs> this is bad. I thought he, 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 he was involved in some good, some good cut runs for us back. Uh, I think it was back then. Yeah, I think it, I, it, was, it was around that time, but, but not this game. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm trying to think in my head what our kit was. <laughs> right, is this? Um, is it the pedigree? Was it the pedigree kit? Probably. That might help. Okay, the ped was it the blue pedigree kit? Right. Okay, I've got a, I've got a vision in my head now. Right, Morton Bishgard. Morton Bishgard is a good answer. Well done. Okay, um, Marco Reich. Cutch <laughs> has gone flying in. It's an early record. <laughs> An absolutely awful performance from Kutch, and uh, Ryan takes the win. <laughs> is it? Uh, okay, read us up. I'm yeah. assuming Idiakas and... That, so th there'll be a, a lot of players, which <laughs> will bring back some great memories, actually. It's a, it's a pretty classic team. So the Derby team that day were, was obviously Lee Camp in goal, which Ryan said. We had Jeff Kenner at right back, Pablo Mills, um, Johnson, Boatin made up the rest of the back four. God. Marcus Tuggay, uh, Morton Bishgard. Idiakes, yeah, um, Adam Boulder, um, and then Smith, Raziak, and Junior up, up top. Uh, the subs who came on were Pesky Solido and Nathan Doyle also came on. That is 
awful from that is awful from me uh, i apologize to all derby county fans up and down the country <laughs> and, our, and our listeners abroad as well well congratulations ryan is that your first uh spw trivia win it is um i'm, I'm very happy with that i'm still wasn't over last week's defeat to chris um that was a completely different competition last week we were um getting right to the crux of the team and then you've just gone two-footed challenge flying in that's and with that, I'll take a win. A win's a win. That, yeah, that, that kind of that definitely sums uh, sums my weekend up. To be honest, okay. Well, good. Uh, thank you for joining us on uh, a tough a tough recording, both to uh, Anton and to Ryan, but also to our listeners as well. We will see you again in a couple of weeks' time, hopefully in happier Derby County times. See you soon. Mm-hmm.